Welcome to the Teachers on Fire podcast, where I profile agents of growth and transformation in education today. Each guest shares their highs, their lows, their passions, their goals, and the resources that are shaping their thinking and inspiring their practice. For show notes and links from each episode, visit teachersonfire.net. You can also follow the show at Teachers on Fire on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And of course, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Tim Cavey. Let's meet today's guest. Today, I'm speaking with Chanel Johnson. Chanel is a STEMinist, love that one, an ASCD emerging leader, published author, K-12 math and science program specialist, instructional tech coach, and keynote presenter. Follow Chanel on Twitter and Instagram at DC underscore STEMtastic. Chanel, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Are you ready to talk education? Yes, I am. Thank you for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. I really enjoyed listening to you one day at the gym, and I decided then and there, I have to get this lady on my show, and so I'm excited to finally connect in real time. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit more about your current context in education? What does that look like for you on a daily basis? Absolutely. Well, I am based out of Atlanta, Georgia. I'm born and raised, so an Atlantean, I suppose, and the city is growing, the city is changing, and with that, so is education. I support Fulton County Schools, which is one of the largest school districts in our state. Um, It is very diverse. Um, You learn so much just being in our school district. My particular community, um, I live with different cultures, different races, and different economic levels. So you're really with the real world. And I appreciate that because you never go a day without learning. In my role, I support K-12 math and science. Um, What that means, I am divided into learning communities. I have 18 schools, K through 12, and (laughs) within that large district. And some of those schools are 25 miles apart. And if you've never sat in Atlanta traffic, you know it gets... (laughs) It gets real. (laughs) Ouch. But that's where podcasting comes in. You learn, you find some good podcasts. (laughs) But with that, I support K-12 math and science. And I have to stay, I have to stay learning. I have to stay on top of the best instructional strategies, the best ways to support my teachers who essentially support our students. And you, your brain is always going. With that, I also support instructional technology. So putting all three of those things together, your brain is always on 10. (laughs) Wow. Well, what a package. And, you know, I can just tell already you are a student. You're a learner first and foremost yourself. And man, if we can just figure out some way for you to sort of, uh, you you just need your own helicopter, don't you, to get from school to school. (laughs) That would solve solve some uh, logistical issues there. Chanel, it is story time. So would you start out by sharing with us about a low moment or an experience of adversity that you faced somewhere in your education career and describe how you overcame it? Absolutely. Um, I have what you would call imposter syndrome. And I know, you know, I've been hearing that around and around. I don't, you know, want to treat it as a buzzword, but I've been in situations where even in my own role, when I first was hired, I was a young 
educator, you know, just hit 30 years old and pulled into a district position to support educators everywhere. And I had the imposter syndrome. Why am I here? Do I belong here? You know, my, I started to test my confidence in my own knowledge. And finally, I had to have that come to reality moment. And actually with my boss, she, who's also very young, she actually told me, you belong here. If you wasn't, if you didn't belong here, you wouldn't be here. And you have to trust yourself, trust the knowledge that you have and trust that who you are is what puts you here. And I have to keep reminding myself of those words because educators or people, we go through it every day where we're in this space and we're wondering, how did I get to this point? How do I, how am I here? Why am I here? And sometimes I go through it and that was just one of those moments. Wow. And the, the battle is never completely over, is it? But you definitely, you, you can't, it sounds like you came to that new level of embrace, that new level of comfort, and you found that extra bit of courage and, and you're fully engaged. Absolutely. Ms. Chanel, you've defined your brand and work around STEM, STEMtastic, STEMinist, and so forth. So where does this passion for STEM come from? What excites you about STEM education today? Wow. Well, starting from the beginning, um, I know the hashtag is the um, trending hashtag right now is girl dad. And right. I have a girl. I have a girl dad. My dad in so many ways. Um, he was retired in the military. You know, he, you know, gave his service to our country. But it's on top of that. He was an amazing father in just the simplest ways. He would show me different ways that science could come to life. It could be just the simplest things or even just watching sci-fi movies and showing me the science behind the sci-fi movies. And mm -hmm. he would really just, and you know, at a young age, I'm not paying attention. I don't think about it, but those lessons started coming to me. He's a Trekkie, good grief. <laughs> <laughs> but I began to love it. <laughs> and it, it was something that was within me. And when I decided to become an educator, the first subject I went to was actually both math and science. And so I wanted to, that passion came from home, honestly. And what excites me about education, what STEM education today is that it, it's, it's changing and STEM is for everybody. It's not limited to one type of student. It's not limited to one culture. STEM is for everyone. And in so many ways, every child can have exposure to STEM and they can be anything they want to be. And that's why I live behind the name STEMtastic. Everything I do connects to STEM. That's why I'm a STEMist because even today, we still have females in um, our African-American females, our Hispanic females, they're still not, they're still not coming up like we want them to in STEM education. And I want to be that voice. I want to be that face for them. So I believe STEM is for all. It's just another mindset, isn't it? It's another way of looking at our world and being curious about the workings of, you know, why does that happen? And how does that work? And it is yeah. it's just that, that curiosity that we want our, our students to have for a lifetime, but we need to model as educators as well. So thank you so much for that. You got it. You got it. And you know what? Before we move on, you mentioned girl, hashtag girl dad. And let's let's pause for a moment and give Kobe Bryant a shout out. And of course, the, the passengers who are with him, we're still 
reeling from that loss last week. But you're right. What a tremendous example he was in just in, in the way that he loved his daughters well. And uh, and so shout out to your dad as well for being that person to give you the confidence and courage to pursue some pathways that unfortunately, as you said, not every girl feels the liberty to, to uh, follow. So awesome. Good, good job, dads. Well, as a Flipgrid Global Ambassador, Chanel, I know you are firmly behind this powerful platform. For teachers who are less familiar with Flipgrid or perhaps have still not caught the Flipgrid fever, what are some of the latest features that really get you excited about Flipgrid? Ooh, Flipgrid fever, yes. It truly does what it says it does. It amplifies voices. For the child in the back of the room who's nervous about speaking, but they have so much to say, you can use Flipgrid for that. And then on top of that, Flipgrid connects you with the world. Um, I just, I love, I can't stop talking about how much Flipgrid has <laughs> worked for me. The only thing is I was already out of the classroom when Flipgrid came out. So I have to be very creative when I'm in my schools working with students. I have to be very creative with ways I can empower our teachers to use Flipgrid. And one of the ways that um, I loved was Character Book Day. So some of our schools reached out to us and said, hey, we're going to have character book day. I know you can't come in, but can you read a book through Flipgrid? So it gave you and so it gave you a chance to actually get into the story, dress up if you want to. But then that other special feature is save the video so I can save my video. And then if another school needs me and I was really passionate about the book, I can send that video to them and they can play that as well. But another feature that's really awesome is that AR feature. That's that opportunity of bringing STEM concepts, things that we're doing in STEM education, you're bringing it into a platform. So now I can hover over with a Q, I can hover over your QR code video and there you are. You pop up and you're talking and you're reading. Think of all of that for student portfolios or if a teacher is doing a meet and greet. The possibilities are limited and the AR feature was really game changer for us. Well, I've actually seen, you know, little screenshots here and there on Twitter. I haven't played with that yet myself. I'm in the position in my context of loving Flipgrid and breaking it out once a while, once in a while, but you know, we're a we happen to be a seesaw school, so we're putting a oh, lot of video yeah. content there as well. So, yeah, I, I'm constantly conflicted about which platform to use, but I'll have to play with that AR feature because, like I said, I've seen it and it looks so cool. Such a great connecting point. Well, Chanel, we've talked about Flipgrid. We've talked about STEM. As you look across your PLN and your own practice, what else is setting you on fire in education today? Well, let's see. Um, of course, I am. Tr my passion will always be instruction. What are the best instructional practices, the best pedagogy that is going to support our students towards achievement. So I love a lot of things, but my core and my passion will always be instruction. So I spend a lot of time on Twitter or different PLNs working on my practice towards science education. We're all on different states. We're all moving towards 3D science. We're all moving towards NGSS in some form or fashion, whether you are adapting it or you're adopting it. We're all moving that direction and some places a little faster than others. So I'm constantly on Twitter looking at ways to improve my practice so I can support our teachers. Another thing is just really working with computer science. Um, that is a 
I dabble in it a little bit, but I've surrounded with a lot of experts who can help me. And a lot of those are people that I've met on my PLN. So, or PLF, because I like to call these people family. But um, (laughs) (laughs) that is from Sarah. I want to say Sarah Thomas says that. And ever since I think I heard her say it, that stays with me. But getting into computer science and even better when you can make things integrate and you can do it well, people start to see the connections and it makes sense. And it's not so separate. It's not so scary. So I spent a lot of my time trying to make those connections between computer science and actual science education, computational thinking. Right. I know it sounds like a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It does. It does. But I hear what you're saying. And I a hundred percent, I mean, the, I always tell my students, you know, when we're doing some coding, it's not really about learning the JavaScript, although JavaScript is great, but, you know, or whatever coding language, Python or whatever they happen to be learning. It's it's not necessarily the language. It's also the habits, the Absolutely. the states of mind and the, the mindsets. Right. And and you talk about that computational thinking and those are the core competencies that we want to develop in our learners through STEM and through, um, you know, ADST, applied design skills, technology, and so forth. That's really what we're after. So I like what you're saying about building those connections and making them clear. And good instruction is such an important part of that. Well, Chanel, how are you looking to grow professionally and improve your practice? Can you share with us about a specific professional goal or maybe a project that you're currently working on? Sure. So... This week, I had the opportunity to go through the two-day training for the ISTE certification. And now I'm going through my modules, and soon I'll get to go through my portfolio. And just sitting through that two-day training, it it was mind-blowing. And again, I'm a sucker for instruction. I'm a sucker for seeing standards and aligning standards to goals. I that I love that type of stuff. So seeing those ISTE standards from the educator's perspective and from the student perspective, I really honed in on the student perspective because it really focused on what the student should be doing. And while it's ISTE, it's, yes, it's about technology, but if you look deeper, it's so much more than that. It's getting into what students should be doing, how we're holding them accountable, how we're having them to be the constructors of knowledge. So it made me really think about as I'm writing lessons or writing curriculum, supporting teachers, looking at how are our students, are we creating opportunities for our students to be doing the work versus the teacher being that sage on the stage and they're going home tired all the time. So that's kind of, so hopefully this time next year, I'll be celebrating. I'm instant certified. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, I hear nothing but good reviews about that certification process. So you're you're getting me more curious as well. Well, Chanel, I like to pull back the curtains on the whole person. So outside of education, what's another area of learning for you? What is it that ignites your passions when you leave the classroom or in your case, the schools and brings you alive as a human being? Of course. Everything for me is learning in some form of fashion. So one thing I have done, I am back at church singing in the choir, and I've been more in tune with that and 
sharing my gifts in other ways and actually learning the skill of music, learning the skills of singing and taking on the strategies that have been provided for me. I know that's a total left turn, but, um, and I don't tell a lot of people this, that I sing and, you know, you kind of keep it close to you, but that's something that I've been working on back into it for the past month now. And I, it's interesting to me how much my love of music has come back and that I'm able to share it in a space that inspires other people. So working on my craft and being the best that I can be in the talents that were, I believe, given to me. Singing does something for the spirit that we just don't get in other experiences. So uh, that resonates for sure. Well, Chanel, you're a very productive and accomplished person. You, like you said, you're running around between all these different schools, delivering all, all these different forms of instruction. How do you keep it all together? Tell us about a personal habit or a productivity hack or maybe even uh, some kind of a routine or an app that helps contribute to your success. Well, I would say my husband, because he'll be real quick to say, pull the plug, get nope. Let's go. <laughs> um, but <laughs> he's real quick to keep me on my toes. And um, and of course, my children. But as far as an actual tool, an app, I love the to-do app through Microsoft. Have you seen that app? I have not. And I, I don't live in the Microsoft world. So tell me about it. So I, I love Microsoft. I love them all. Google, Microsoft, Apple. I, I love you all, honestly. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I can't choose. But for productivity, um, the to-do app on Microsoft, I can just have my list of things to do. And it syncs to all of my accounts. So it's on my phone. It's on my computer. It's on my tablet. It's everywhere of everything that I need to do. And it's something about hearing that ding sound when I completed a task. <laughs> like, ah, I finished. But it also gives me, I also put in there, and I know it sounds crazy, take a break, mm. stop. And it, it keeps me on my toes. That and, of course, my family. But <laughs> that would be my tool. Awesome. Well, I, I love it. And I am am a list kind of a person. You know, we're looking at a Google Doc right now. And over on that right hand side, we have the Google Tasks icon, which is embedded all throughout the G Suite. Now it shows up in Gmail and Docs and Slides. And, and so that's my go to. And I love the fact that it syncs across devices. But uh, I'm my wife actually spends a, a good deal of time in the Microsoft Suite. So I'll have to ask her about the to do app. Very, very cool. Well, Chanel, it's time for your quick picks. And here we want to know the education voices and resources that are shaping your practice and inspiring your thinking today. So starting at Twitter, tell us about someone we should follow there and share why they've been inspiring you lately. Absolutely. So one is soon to be EDD. That would be Mr. Christian Padgett. Um, he is definitely a powerhouse in the education field. He is under 30 years old. Well, he'll be 30 in August, so I guess that doesn't count. But he is a powerhouse. Um, he's an AP, and he's into math instruction, instruction all over, actually, and instructional technology. And he is someone that I go to for just about any and everything. And he is someone, honestly, that helped me to get myself out there into a space I didn't know exist. 
Another person is Dr. Natalie Henderson. Her um Twitter um her Twitter her name is Dr. N Henderson. And honestly, she is someone that says that I've learned from to go beyond what you believe. Take the limits off of yourself and to also take care of yourself. And not to sound a little biased, but she is my former boss. Um, she's going on to do amazing things. Congratulations to her, but She's someone that I truly look up to, and she's knowledgeable, one of the smartest people I know. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, and I think when we have these leaders that we admire, that we can follow in their footsteps, that push us beyond what is comfortable, those are the kind of people we need in our network, so I look forward to connecting with those. Thank you. Next, Chanel, point us to an ed tech tool that you currently love using somewhere in your professional practice. Now, I just asked you about a productivity app. You gave us the to-do app. Is there another one that is doing cool things? Maybe one that you see uh, students getting a lot out of in the classroom? Um, Yes, actually, there's one tool that's coming up that I like, and it is um, Legends of Learning. Legends of Learning is a math and science gamification tool. So they have math and science games. And I like to stress the difference between a simulation where we're simulating something like sales versus a game where students are actually playing games and it's aligned to the science content. It's hard to do. You know, it's not one of those games where I get the answer right and I get to shoot a basketball three times. No, the game is (laughs) aligned to science. But anything wrong with those games either. But I love. But again, with me, when it connects and it makes sense, students, I feel that you will get some of your best learning out of that. And I love that about Legends of Learning. It is free, Um, and I want to say they are aligned to most of our standards. I know they are in Georgia, and I, I really love that tool. Seeing students actually playing games and the areas of science and the areas of math. And the other thing that I like about them is the feedback section. So if your students or even you have played a game and they ask you for your ratings, they ask you for your feedback. And I've seen in the instant where you say you didn't like a game because of whatever reason, those gamers are getting in there and they're fixing it. Wow. So a company really takes what you have to say to heart and they work to make it better for, you know, the consumers. And isn't that a great example of the design process and multiple iterations of work, right? That's, that's a great example for our kids to see. So legends of learning. Okay. Look forward to looking at that one. I teach in the middle school, Chanel. So anything that gamifies learning well, I think is a great fit at that age. Yeah. Tell us about Look, Chanel, that you maybe one that you've been reading lately or one of your all time faves that has just been deeply influential. One of my favorite books is actually Switch. So one of the things I like about Switch is how to make change. Okay. Um, It gets into that rational mind and the emotional mindsets of when we're trying to make change and change is difficult for people. And it's difficult to apply. So I like that about this book. It really gives you excellent strategies on how to support change from that emotional lens and from that rational lens. And I don't want to spoil too much about this book, but 
it's definitely a good book about change and it's excellent for educators. I actually read it with a team of people and had some great discussions about it. Awesome, awesome. I've got some uh, Christmas money sitting in my Amazon account, so I'll take a look at Switch. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good place to be in, right? Two more questions for you, Chanel. You mentioned you do a lot of driving, and sometimes you get caught out on those freeway parking lots. So when you are listening to podcasts, what's near the top of your list? Well, definitely, um, I like to know what's going on in the world. So the Breakfast Club is one, but after I've gotten my gossip piece something that's gonna <laughs> something that's gonna fulfill my mind and make me feel like I'm a better person and better educator is leading equity by Dr. Sheldon Atkins and before I was actually featured on his podcast I was listening to it and listening to it and every time I listen to his podcast I feel rejuvenated and I feel whoa okay I've learned something today I'm going to do this right now. And he has so many different people on there. And I love listening to his um, show about equity and just how to be not just a better educator, but a better person. Ultimately, that's what you want. So that's one that I like to listen to. Dr. Sheldon Akins and the Leading Equity Podcast. He's on my radar as well as someone I, I just need to have on Teachers on Fire. So thanks for that reminder. And the last one, Chanel, I'd like to end on a bit of a lighter note. So strictly for fun, non-educational here, what are you watching on Netflix these days? Netflix, even after Disney Plus is taking over my world. <laughs> I try to make some time with Netflix and oh, people got me watching. What is it? You? Is that it? Have you heard of that? Uh, I'm trying to think. You know, all I can think of right now is I, I watched Inside the Mind of Aaron Hernandez this week, um, <laughs> which is which is kind of a darker one. But no, remind me what you is all about. Let me see if I can find it. I have my Netflix up to make sure. And I've started um, what you were watching as well. You was kind of dark as well. <laughs> hey, I'm up for a little bit of dark sometimes. You. Oh, is that the one? Is that the creeper one, uh, guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's the creeper. <laughs> and you see the memes about them all on Facebook. That's excellent marketing strategies where you're just seeing memes. Who is this guy? And then. I'm see him, but um, yeah, you is what I'm into right now, and I think there are like two seasons, and the third one's coming next year, and I'm literally on season one, episode one. See, over here at the KV house, the, the creepy shows don't usually make date night, because my wife has a super low tolerance for anything creepy, so. <laughs> so I don't get to watch those shows too often, but or at least not with her. But I did manage to pull her into Aaron Hernandez. You know what? That's that's a good endorsement. We may have to give you a try. So thank you for that, Chanel. As that sounds like fun. Well, Chanel, for those interested in your message and your areas of passion and expertise, what are the best ways for listeners to reach out and follow you? Absolutely. Um, so on Twitter, DC Stemtastic. Instagram, DC Stemtastic. <laughs> and that's about it right now. My website is under development. I'm working on that. So when that is ready, I'll have those on my platforms. But 
I've found just kind of keeping the same name has worked for me so that people aren't confused. Well, who is this and who is this? It's all me. A hundred percent, Chanel. I think that's so good. And for anyone listening, if you're thinking about trying to raise your visibility and share your message a little more widely, I think what Chanel's done here with the same handle on Twitter and Instagram is so helpful because it just makes it that much easier for people to get in touch. So DC Stemtastic is the handle to get in touch with, to connect with. Chanel, this has been so much fun. Thank you for sharing your time today. You are charming and you are certainly doing some great things in the STEM and instructional areas. So thank you so much for speaking with the podcast today. Take care and let's connect again soon. Thank you. Before we sign off today, I'd like to share some highlights from the Teachers on Fire community this week. Our first stop is on Twitter, where Mackenzie Bouchard at the Miss Bouchard tweeted, Woohoo! Listening to the At Teachers on Fire podcast, and I see a familiar name in the episode lineup at Christine YH at Education UNBC. Thank you for that shout out, Mackenzie, and thank you as well for the picture of the Teachers on Fire lineup in your car player. That really made my day and had to make it my Twitter highlight of the week. Next on Instagram, in response to a picture I posted from a class snowshoeing trip on Cypress Mountain above Vancouver on Thursday, Laura Heinen at Cultivating Critical Readers commented, I am so jealous of you right now. That's absolutely beautiful. Thanks for following me there on Instagram, Laura. I definitely appreciate the engagement. And you're right, it was a breathtaking view. What an experience for my 8th graders. And if you're not following me at Teachers on Fire on Instagram, please give me a follow and check out that picture. You won't be disappointed. On the Teachers on Fire page on Facebook, my good friend Ryan Coop wrote, I would love more outdoor experiences at our school. Gotta find a way to get something like this approved. I know our grade 5s go. I love the outdoor classroom. Well, thank you for that comment, Ryan. And yes, the way you celebrate experiences in nature with your family is inspiring. Thank you so much for following along and, of course, supporting my work as you do so well. Over on LinkedIn, in response to my vlog post about the three big questions that can fuel lifetimes of learning, friend of the show, Abigail French, commented, great words of wisdom. Thanks, Tim. I so appreciate that. Abby, thank you for connecting with me on LinkedIn. And to all who have read, viewed, liked, retweeted, commented, or replied to my content in any way, thank you. You are the fuel to my fire, and I so appreciate your support. Make sure you drop by the Teachers on Fire magazine on Medium this week, where a number of pieces were posted and shared there. First, Brad Davis at B Davis SMS on Twitter wrote, How to make a connection with your students, five obvious strategies that we sometimes forget about. And that piece is already getting retweets and likes and engagement on Twitter. So make sure you give that one a look. I wrote, Shipped is better than perfect, a reflection on the trap of perfectionism and how it can hold learners back from creating. And by the way, I am so excited that I have not missed a week of blogging yet. So fingers crossed, wish me luck, and thank you for reading and engaging with my content on the magazine. 
And then we have a couple of heavy hitters, Dr. Deborah M. Vereen at Dr. D. M. Vereen on Twitter wrote, Family engagement gives children a window to the world. Parents must engage with their children before they engage with their teachers. And she wrote, The contemporary face of family engagement in the digital age. Now is the time for educators to think outside of the box. So Dr. Deborah M. Vereen, coming at this issue of family engagement from all angles, it really is a lot of interesting food for thought there. And then Debbie Tannenbaum, I know her one word for 2020 is challenge, and she is challenging herself in every way possible. She can be found on Twitter at Mrs. B. And she wrote, adjacent possible moments... As educators, we should be lifelong learners, but you never know how learning something new can lead to something else that you never imagined. And of course, that adjacent possible framework comes from the EduDuctTape podcast and Jake Miller Tech over there. She also, talking about Debbie Tannenbaum, she also wrote Empowering Student Voice. As George Kuros and Katie Novak share in Innovate Inside the Box, Empowering is about ownership and agency and so debbie asks you what are you doing to empower student voice in your classroom the teachers on fire magazine is a medium publication and you'll find it on medium.com or on the medium app if you're already an education blogger consider joining our growing writing team you can continue to publish content on your own blog and you keep full credit and ownership of your content on medium not only that, the Medium platform compensates you based on the engagement and read time your articles earn. Message me at Teachers on Fire on any social media platform for more details. Well, I will leave you with this quote from my reading this week, Teachers on Fire, and it comes from a book called Leaders of Their Own Learning, Transforming Schools Through Student-Engaged Assessment, written by Ron Berger. You can follow him on Twitter at Ron Berger E-L, and by Leah Rugen. And the quote is this, as the routines take hold and students gain comfort, teachers and students become partners in analyzing patterns, setting goals, and monitoring growth. And of course, they are describing that ideal classroom where students take full agency and ownership of their learning. Let me read the quote one more time. As the routines take hold and students gain comfort, teachers and students become partners in analyzing patterns, setting goals, and monitoring growth. Isn't that what we all strive for? Again, I'm your host, Tim Cavey, and I'm so grateful that you decided to spend some of your day listening to this podcast. I hope that in some way the content you heard today from Chanel Johnson ignited your thinking and inspired your practice, and I'll meet you next week right here on the Teachers on Fire podcast. Take care and have a great week.